Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, certified religious transition and trauma recovery coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. You know, after the last couple of weeks talking about anger, the conversations I was having on social media with people tended to revolve around relationships. We were talking about how it's so easy to get angry at people we care about because we love them and we want to be close to them. We want to feel connected. And sometimes we can't do that. Sometimes we don't feel safe. And this can leave us feeling vulnerable. It can leave us feeling hurt. It can leave us feeling misunderstood. And I've had a lot of conversations one-on-one with people about what I call the seven ingredients of trust. This comes from Brene Brown's work in Braving the Wilderness. If you are going through deconstruction and you have not read Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness, I highly recommend it. There are so many nuggets of wisdom that are especially poignant when you're going through deconstruction. Now, one of the things I like that she brings up is she talks about why it's so important to understand the individual ingredients of what makes a trusting relationship or the different ways we can break trust with one another, right? What makes us feel safe or unsafe in a relationship? How do we create intimacy between ourselves and someone else? And she brought up something that I found really thought-provoking in that she said, you know, when we tell someone, I don't trust you, or I don't feel safe with you, it's not very productive. Because a lot of times, if we tell someone, I don't trust you, what they actually hear is, you're not trustworthy. And that's not usually what we mean. Usually we're actually trying to tell them that a certain one, two, or even three of their behaviors is really getting in the way of our ability to feel safe in a relationship with them. And if they could just work on those behaviors, then we would feel safer. But when we say, I don't trust you, it feels overarching and it feels like we're talking about their entire being, that they're not trustworthy. So it can provoke a shame response. And when people are in shame, they go into defensive mode often, without a lot of self-awareness at least, they go into defensive mode often and they are looking for ways to deflect, to protect, and to defend themselves instead of actually being able to sit with you in empathy and hear what you have to say. So one of the reasons it's important to understand the different ingredients of trust is because we can then pinpoint a behavior and it doesn't feel so much like a personal attack. It's just a lot more productive in a conversation with someone when you can say, this behavior is getting in the way of my ability to trust you or feel safe with you versus I don't trust you or you're not trustworthy. The other thing I found is that when we say I can't trust you or I don't feel safe with you, it's such an overarching and general 
way of describing what's going on that often people don't know what to work on and how to fix the relationship, and it can leave them feeling hopeless and maybe even overwhelmed. And one of the things that our bodies do when we're feeling hopeless or overwhelmed is a lot of times we will shut down or we'll numb because our nervous system is in overload. And so knowing the seven ingredients of trust and being able to really pinpoint what's going wrong in a relationship can make it a lot more manageable for both of you working on the relationship to be able to create a sense of safety and trust. Now today what we're going to do is we're going to go through these seven ingredients in the BRAVING acronym that Brene Brown created, and we're going to talk about it not just the way Brene Brown talked about it, but we're really going to apply it to relationships specifically when you're going through religious transition. So Brene Brown came up with the acronym BRAVING, B-R-A-V-I-N-G to help us remember the seven ingredients of trusting relationships. The B stands for boundaries, and there is an entire podcast on boundaries. I know you guys have heard me talk about boundaries a lot in the past. We're not going to deep dive into them today, but if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to the podcast on boundaries It's going to be really helpful for understanding how to communicate these with people and how to create effective working boundaries with others. If you have been raised in a fundamentalist religion of any kind, often boundaries are something you were not taught to have. Many of us were taught to be boundaryless, that in order to be righteous, we weren't supposed to have boundaries with the church or with God or with the people that represented God. And we were often taught that love was boundaryless as well, and that if we truly loved people, we would have no boundaries. And it leads to a lot of resentment. So if that is something that's coming up for you where you feel like people are constantly imposing on you or are constantly doing things in your life that you don't like, and you're not sure how to communicate that without feeling mean or aggressive, go listen to that episode. It's going to be really helpful. But an overview of boundaries here today, boundaries are simply what is okay and what is not okay in order for us to have trust. And please know that all of these things have to go both ways. It can't be one party giving all of these things and the other party receiving all of these things to create trust. It has to be both parties showing up and creating a sense of trust and safety in the relationship in order for intimacy to develop. So if you want a deep connection, if you want intimacy, all of these things need to be in place. And when breaches happen, because they will, no matter how good the relationship is, breaches will happen occasionally. That is normal because we're human. Our boundaries change. Sometimes our understanding of things change. Sometimes we're tired and hungry and we just don't show up as well as we would like to show up. So giving ourselves grace to understand that sometimes we're going to breach trust in our relationships. That is not a make or break. But being able to have conversations about those things is. And having awareness of these things happening and being able to take accountability is. So boundaries are what is okay and what isn't okay. So I'm going to speak about these things as if 
I'm talking to another person and as if I'm trying to explain to another person what I need to feel safe myself. But this could easily be said by the other person to me as well. Like I said, it has to go both ways. I need to know you respect my boundaries. And if you aren't sure if something is okay with me, you ask. Consent is a huge part of boundaries. If you're not sure if I'm okay with you sharing something I've told you or a picture I've given you, you ask. If you're not sure if I'm okay with you giving me a hug, you ask. If you're not sure if I'm ready to have a conversation about something, you ask. Anytime you're not sure if something is okay or if something is not okay, you ask. You ask where my boundaries are and then you respect them. So consent is a big deal when it comes to having trust. But the other interesting thing about boundaries I find is that I also need to be able to trust you to say no. If I ask you if something is okay or not okay, I need to be able to trust that you will say no to the things that are not okay with you. I need to know that you know where your boundaries are and that you're able to communicate them and that you're able to tell me no. The reason this is so important is often we end up walking around on eggshells with one another because we're all trying to be nice. We're all trying to people please one another. And this is where we can get really insecure and unsure around one another because we're trying to walk that line of assuming what's okay and really trying not to step on your toes because we're not sure if you're going to say no when you actually mean no. When you can trust me to say no to things that are not okay with me and I can trust you to say no, It allows us to more freely move around because we know when we hit a boundary, we're going to have a discussion about it. We know when we hit a boundary, the other person is going to politely and kindly say no. This is a really freeing thing in relationships. And I know that goes against everything we were taught about love and about intimacy. We were taught that if we love people and we're intimate with them, that we say yes to everything but that actually creates a lot of walls between us because if I know that you're going to say yes to anything I ask you, I'm not then free to ask you things because I don't know if you're going to hold your boundaries and protect yourself if it's something you can't do or if it's something you really don't want to do. So we actually free ourselves in our relationship to move about more freely and to ask for the help and support we need when we know that the other person will say no, and when we know that the other person will communicate to us where their boundaries are. It just allows us to more freely show up as our honest selves because we know there will be communication about what is and is not okay. So that's boundaries. So the next one is R for reliability. Reliability in a nutshell is just that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. I can trust that if you promise something, you're going to deliver. And in order to do that, I need to know that you're not going to overextend yourself, that you're going to know your limits. You're going to know what you have time for. You're going to know what you have energy for. You're going to know what you actually want to do. And you're going to show up for the things that you commit to do. 
where reliability I find tends to come up with my clients is when their parents or their spouse or whoever it is that's still in the church has no boundaries with the church. Often what they'll do is they will promise something to their family, to their kids, to their grandkids, and then the church requires something of them. And they will often say yes to the church thing and put off whatever's happening in their family. So I find that whenever reliability is an issue for trust in relationships, it's often because boundaries are missing with the church organization. And this can create trust issues because after a while, we stop believing people that they're going to do what they say they're going to do, and we stop counting on them. And when we can't count on someone, when we can't take their word at face value, when we can't trust them to pull their weight in a relationship, then we begin to pull away emotionally. We need to know that people will be there for us. We need to know that we're important enough for them to show up when they said they would show up or deliver what they said they would deliver. When we don't keep our obligations or we don't keep our promises, it starts to feel like we're not important to that person and that our needs don't matter, our time isn't valuable or important, or that we aren't a top priority, that other things are a higher priority than we are. And it really does erode trust. The next letter is A for accountability. And this is a huge one when it comes to religious transition and having relationships in particular with people that are of a different faith than us or are the faith that we used to be. Accountability is when we're able to recognize and take responsibility when we've caused harm and able to apologize and then make amends. So in order for me to be in a trusting relationship with you, I need to know that when you cause me harm, whether accidentally or on purpose, when you harm me or you hurt my feelings or you let me down, that you will take responsibility for your part that you will apologize and say you're sorry, and that you will actively try to make amends. And this seems to be a really difficult one that comes up. A lot of times there's gaslighting or things that happen when someone comes and says, hey, this was really harmful and I'd like to talk about it. Often people hear, you're too sensitive. I didn't mean it that way. I didn't intend to hurt you. But there's not a lot of, oh my gosh, I am so sorry I hurt you. I can see now why that was hurtful. And although that wasn't my intention, let me make it up to you. What can I do to restore the trust in our relationship? We talked about intention versus impact in a previous episode. And that's really important to understand when we're trying to practice accountability. It really doesn't matter what you intended. If it ended up hurting the other person, you can hold space for that was not my intention and hold space for the fact that you're a good person and you weren't actively trying to harm the other person while still holding space for, but it was harmful and it was hurtful. And that person's reality is they're hurting. How can I apologize and bind up those wounds? How can I 
put some balm on that. Now, where I see this becoming a real issue for some of my clients is sometimes we're not allowed to make amends and apologize for things that we do that hurt others. Sometimes what happens is maybe we have an angry moment or we feel triggered or we act out in ways that we're not proud of. In order for trust to be able to be restored, not only do we need others to take accountability and apologize to us and try to make amends, but we need them to allow us to make amends and apologize and be accountable for the harm we cause as well. If that is not allowed in our relationship, if we're not allowed to talk about the harm we've done and to apologize and to make amends, if we're frozen out, if we're not allowed to speak, if we are unfriended, uninvited, and unwelcome in the family, if people are not allowed to talk to us when we've had a very distressing moment in the family, then we can't restore intimacy and we can't restore safety. I find that when this happens in relationships, it can really leave the person who's wanting to apologize and who's wanting to express their remorse and try to make amends, it can leave them feeling really unfinished and anxious And there's a lot of nervous and regretful and even shame energy left inside of us. If this is happening to you, if there are things that have happened, maybe you had an angry outburst, maybe you didn't show up for family reunion and it hurt someone's feelings, maybe you're not as engaged as you once were because you're healing, whatever the reason When you get to a place where you're like, I really want to apologize and I want to, and I want to make amends for what I've done to help someone feel better about what has happened here and to restore that sense of safety and trust here. When we're denied that opportunity, there's a lot of self care that needs to happen in order for us to be able to get back to an equilibrium. If you find yourself in this position, If you have family or friends that are unwilling to let you be accountable for things that you've done and make amends, I find that sometimes it can be really helpful to get the words out anyway on paper and you can mail them or you can keep them in a journal or you can burn them. But some way to purge out the thoughts, I've had coaches sit with me in proxy of the person I need to talk to when that person has either passed away or is not speaking to me or is unwilling to have a conflict conversation because we need consent for those as well. We can't just force a conflict conversation on people. We can invite someone to a conflict conversation. We can say, hey, I don't like how we left things and it feels really strained. I'd love to have a conversation with you, and I want to hear your side. I want to hear how you experience that. I want a chance to apologize for anything I may have done to make you feel unsafe here, and I'd like to be heard as well, and I'd like to be able to express my feelings, and you can invite people and say, is that something that you'd be willing to do with me? And people can choose not to engage in conflict conversations. That's really difficult. Sometimes we want to force people to have conflict conversations with us, but we can't force others' actions. 
we only have control over our own actions. And so if someone says, no, I don't want to have that conversation, we can leave the door open and say, that's okay. I get it. Whenever you decide you'd like to have that conversation, I am open to it. I care about you. You're important to me. I want to restore intimacy and trust. And the only way we're going to do that is by working through this. So please know that the door is always open when you're ready. And I'm here to have that conversation with you. So we can leave that door open, but it can still leave us feeling unfulfilled and like there are things we didn't get to say. Vomit journaling can come really in handy at this point. Writing a letter. I've had a few family members where I've had to write a letter and just get out everything. And then I kept it to either tear up or burn simply because they had not given their consent for a conflict conversation yet. And it didn't feel appropriate to just send that to them in the mail. So I did it for me to be able to express what I was feeling, to get all of my hurt feelings out on paper. And then one of them I burned and scattered the ashes in my garden, actually, where I could grow new, beautiful things from the ashes. It was very symbolic for me. I do a lot of symbolism. So I like to take things that have felt very rotten or felt very difficult to manage and I like to compost them quite literally into something beautiful. So if you find you're in this place where you're not allowed to make amends and you're not allowed to have conflict conversations or you've tried several times and the other person gets into blaming, shaming, or they're aggressive in some way and they cannot hear you, you might find it really helpful to write things down and to find a way symbolically to turn that practice into like taking that rotten stuff and somehow turning it into compost for something beautiful that you can create in your life. So I wrote a letter to family members who had hurt me very badly and had shaped a lot of my teenage years and I burned it along with all the hurt feelings. Like I just allowed it to be consumed by the fire And then I took the ashes and poured them into my vegetable garden and just kind of, you know, mixed it all up with the soil and allowed that to just kind of nourish my flower garden and my vegetable garden for the next year. You may find that something else would be helpful. I have a client that literally rips things up. She shreds the things that she needs to get off of her chest. I have other people that put them on balloons and let them float up into the air as if they're releasing them and they're letting them just go. Now, I want to say something really quick that's coming up. It is always best if we can have a healthy conflict conversation with someone first. That is always going to be the most healthy alternative. But if that is not possible, then these other things are ways where we can write and release and create something else, something beautiful from the things that we've been carrying around. Okay, the next letter is V for the vault. And the vault is that if I tell you information, I can trust that you're not going to share my confidential information with anyone without my permission. The other thing is I can trust that you're not going to share other people's confidential information with me 
you're not going to share anything with me or with others that isn't yours to share. And vice versa. If I'm going to trust you, if I'm going to be vulnerable with you, if I'm going to be fully human and let you see all of my soft spots, I need to know that they're safe with you and that you're not going to talk about those soft spots with anyone else. I need to know that I can trust my confidential information with you. I find this out by the conversations you have with me. And sometimes we love to try to quick bond with each other by gossiping about other people. There is something that bonds us very quickly whenever we join forces to talk about someone else. It feels like we're both in on a secret and it creates this false sense of intimacy for the moment when we're sharing the gossip. But what it also does is it actually damages our actual ability to be intimate. So for that time being, when we're sharing a secret and it feels like we're in on something that other people aren't in on, we kind of feel bonded and we feel like we're close to one another in that moment. But when you leave, and whether it becomes conscious or not, subconsciously, I know that you're not a safe person to share my deep, dark secrets with. And so when I'm hurting, when I'm fighting with someone in my life that's important to me, when I have questions about faith or when I'm really guilty about something, you are not the person I'm going to turn to because you share other people's information. So while it may feel like it bonds us in that quick moment when we gossip about other people, it's actually damaging our ability to get close with one another. So not only do I need to trust that you're not going to share my information, I also need to trust that you're not going to share other people's confidential information with me in order for us to really create the intimacy for both of us to show up and be fully human. The I in the BRAVING acronym is INTEGRITY. This is courage over comfort. And Brene Brown talks a lot about staying in your values and practicing what your values are rather than just sharing them. But I find that when it comes to religious transition and really just relationships, interpersonal relationships in general, what we're talking about here when we talk about integrity is that you're willing to do the hard stuff to create safety in our relationship. You're willing to have the difficult conversation. You're willing to look the things in the eye that are scary to talk about. We're able to talk about those taboo subjects that have become pain points in our relationship. We're willing to come back after conflict and sit with one another and really get curious about what happened and why. This is not easy. It's much easier to stay on the superficial level, pretend like nothing bad happened, pretend like we're okay now and brush it under the carpet. But that's not in integrity. So actually today I saw something that really reminded me of integrity and the vault, actually. Someone posted something on Facebook where they said, you know, someone hurts your feelings and they had this whole graph and they were saying that this graph was a really great point to make, but actually both the things they listed were really unhealthy. So the first one said, somebody hurts your feelings, you have two choices. And by the way, guys, when anyone says you have two choices, really start getting curious with that because they're presenting binary thinking. There are usually multiple choices. 
So it's not either right or wrong, good or bad. Anytime something is presented that way, really put on your questioning cap and get curious with what they're presenting and start critically thinking. But she said, someone harms you and you either have the choice to go tell everyone about it and how awful that person is and talk about the harm that was done to you, or you can give it to God. Well, we just talked about the vault. If you go tell everyone what happened, if you go talk about how awful that person is, if you go on a smear campaign, basically, of this other person, you're breaching the vault. And not only are you hurting your ability to be intimate with the person that harmed you, but you're hurting your ability to be intimate with all of your friends that you're sharing this with. Because now they know if they do something that upsets you to this level, you might be doing this to other people with them. All right. So that first one is obviously unhealthy because we are creating breaches of trust all over the place. But on the other hand, she said, we could give it to God. And she said, if we give it to God, then he takes it. It's his problem. It's no longer our problem. And we feel peace and we can move on. And that's called spiritual bypassing. And instead of taking responsibility for our feelings, figuring out what we want or need to change and having a healthy, mature conflict conversation with someone, we have now given it to God and basically handed him or her or them our problem and we're not taking responsibility and nothing will change. We have essentially said, this is no longer my problem. I'm giving it to some higher being and I'm gonna move on without addressing the problem. This is not an integrity. That's the issue with this is we're not in integrity when we do this. We're not willing to do the third tougher option that will actually heal the wounds between us and the other person, which is to sit with those feelings and decide, why did this hurt? What's the story in my head? What was my experience? What wound did this touch? Why did it trigger me? How do I feel about this? And really get curious with ourselves and then come back to the other person and say, hey, I'd really like to heal this breach between us. Are you willing to have a discussion with me about this? Because you're important to me and I want to be close to you. And I want to make sure we heal this thing so it's not between us anymore. And that's when you can sit down with them and say, hey, this really hurt and this is why. It made me feel lonely. It made me feel like you didn't care. It made me feel like my feelings weren't important to you. Whatever you want to say to them. And you invite them to be accountable. You invite them to recognize harm and to be accountable for it. To apologize and to make amends. And when that happens, you get closer than you were before the breach ever happened. When we can have healthy conflict conversations, when we can be in integrity and we can show up and do the difficult stuff, that hard work pays off. Because now I know I can trust you that when things get hard, you're not going to run away. You're going to stay here with me. I'm important enough to you to walk through the swamp with. I'm important enough to you to really face difficult feelings and talk about hurt emotions and talk about experiences that are hard to talk about 
and you're going to sit here with me and you're going to work with me and you're going to be accountable for your part. You're going to tell me your hurt feelings and your intentions and you're going to tell me how you took things and what your experience was. We're going to empathize with one another. And at the end of this thing, at the end of this conflict, yeah, it's hard to wade into that. But at the end, I feel seen and heard and understood at least a little bit better. If I don't feel seen and heard completely, I know that I can have a conversation with you later where maybe we dig a little bit deeper and that we'll keep coming back to this because you care enough to show up for the hard stuff and I care enough to show up for the hard stuff. Integrity is so important to building trust because it means I can trust you when things get hard. You're not going to run away. You're not going to ghost me. You're not going to talk about me behind my back. And you're not going to just pretend like everything's fine when I know it's not. This is integrity. And it's one of the big issues I see when we're working through relationships, especially after faith transition. There are so many misunderstandings. And so often we either talk about each other behind our backs, which breaches trust, Or we pray to God about it, but we never actually talk to the person that we're feeling the hurt and the pain with. The next ingredient of trust, the N, is non-judgment. Brene Brown says this is the ability to ask for help without judgment. And really taking this a step further is this is the ability for both of us to show up as full humans. Humans are not neat little packages. We are paradoxical creatures. We are both darkness and light. We are a mix of feelings that sometimes don't make sense. We are messy. We are complicated. It's hard to make sense of us. And if I'm not allowed to show up and be fully human, to the extent that I have to put on a mask is the extent that we cannot be intimate, that we can't be connected. So... It's not just the ability to ask for help, but it's the ability to show up as fully ourselves, even when we're messy, even when we're hurting, even when we're confused and we don't know who the hell we are or what in the world we need. This is the ability for me to change my mind and to grow with you. This is the ability for me to expand my understanding This is the ability for me to figure things out as we go. If I have to act like I have it all figured out, if I have to be perfect, if I have to constantly be in a good mood, if I have to be stoic, then we can't be intimate. I have to be able to be a fully feeling human with all of the messiness that that entails in order for me to feel completely safe with you. And last is generosity. And this is simply that we make the most generous assumption possible about each other's intentions. That doesn't mean that you don't have healthy conflict conversations. It just means you enter those healthy conflict conversations with the best assumption possible. I find that this comes up a lot in mixed faith families when the still-believing family members assume that their non-believing family members are being led by the devil, that they have evil intentions, that they're bad people now, those are not giving the most generous assumption possible to that person. 
But I find that those of us who leave sometimes project the judgment we felt when we were in the church on others who are still in the church. And it might not necessarily be true. I know that I was definitely guilty of thinking that other people thought really bad things about me. And while some of them did, others of them didn't. They had a much more nuanced and open-minded approach to thinking about people who were in and outside of the church than I did. I had a lot of friends who were much more nuanced in their thinking, whereas I was a very black and white thinker inside of my faith. And so it was really easy for me to take who I used to be and project it on people who were still in the church. And when I learned about this, about being generous in my assumptions, I really started questioning when I would automatically assume that other people were judging me or that other people were waiting for me to fail or waiting for something bad to happen to me to vindicate their beliefs. I really started looking at that and saying, do I know that for sure? And if I don't know that that's what they're thinking for sure, because they haven't told that to me, what else could I assume that would be a more generous assumption? What other possible thoughts could they be having that are more generous? And then I would choose those as I headed into my conversation with those people. When I assumed that people were doing their best, when I assumed that others were just trying to live a good life. When I assume that people honestly forget that they're not trying to be jerks, then I can come into conflict conversations with people already in a spirit of, hey, I see you. You're allowed to be human here. I want you in my life and I want to be connected to you. Let's talk about this. It's a much more curious, non judgmental way to approach a conversation than assuming the worst and going in with my guns all locked and loaded, ready to fire. I really thought that this conversation was especially necessary after last week's podcast where we talked about communicating assertively. And this is especially important as we're talking about breaches of trust. Brene Brown has a saying in her Dare to Lead book that says, clear is kind. That is what assertiveness is. It's coming into these conversations with clarity of what we experienced and what we want to see happen, but kindness as well and generosity. We want to be able to communicate what's important to us and our experience while preserving the humanity of the other person. We're here to build trust, not to destroy it. We're not here to win and make the other person the loser. That's aggression and passive aggression. We're not here to suppress so that they win and we lose. We're here to make a win-win scenario. And that happens when I can communicate clearly and kindly and hold space for you to communicate clearly and kindly. I want you to imagine a relationship where people bring these attributes to the table, where both of you have clear boundaries and you're able to communicate new boundaries as they show up where both of you are able to say no when you want to say no, where you can trust one another to know what is and is not okay and to really care for yourselves in that way. What would it be like to have a relationship with someone who's reliable, that knows their capacity 
and only says yes to the things that really light them up, that are within their capacity, and they show up the way they said they would. What would it be like to be in a relationship with someone who, when they inevitably harm you because we're all human and we all make mistakes and we all have bad days, that they can own their harm, hear your side, be accountable, apologize, and begin to make amends, and they allow you to do the same. Imagine what it would be like to know that anything you told to another person or did in front of this person would remain confidential. How would that feel? To know that if they had conflict with you, Or if they didn't agree with something, they'd bring it to you and not to other people. Imagine if this same person was brave enough to have these conversations before these issues festered and got bigger and bigger and were wrapped in resentment. What if they were willing to do what was courageous instead of what was comfortable? What if they were able to have the difficult conversations instead of pretending like everything was okay? Imagine the trust that would grow there. Imagine yourself in a relationship with a person that allows you to be fully human, that embraces you in your good moments and your bad moments, and in all the moments in between where you're confused and messy and maybe swinging wildly back and forth. And then imagine... If they assume the best of you, no matter what, how would that change your relationships? If you were that kind of person, what would that look like for you? How would you change? How would you approach people differently? I believe that intimacy is one of the things we crave the most as humans. We are wired for connection. We need it to survive. They've actually done studies to show that Loneliness is more deadly than heart disease or cancer. We need each other to lead happy and healthy lives. We need connection. And I think in today's world, so often we don't get the intimacy and connection that we want because we don't feel safe enough to connect. You now know what is needed to create a healthy connection. It'll take some time to practice this. More often than not, we were taught to have aggressive or passive-aggressive, or suppressive ways of dealing with one another. And it's not been conducive to having safe and trusting relationships. You get to be the chain breaker now. You now know differently. And you can begin practicing and inviting others to practice with you these seven ways of building trust so that you can have the deep intimacy that we all crave. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a really transformative part of my healing process. And while inviting people into these kinds of relationships hasn't always been successful, because I can't force other people to work on trust, I can't force them to show up with integrity, I can't force them to respect my boundaries, I can't force them to tell me their own boundaries. And I can't force them to see the best in me. But I will tell you, as I've practiced this, I've been able to create healthier relationships in my life. And the ones that have persisted have gotten deeper 
and more beautiful, and I have felt freer to be myself. And the ones that have not decided to accept my invitation for greater intimacy, I've mourned and I've released, but the door is still open. I always leave the door open to people that I invite into intimate relationships with me. If they ever choose, they're ready. I'll be here to have the healthy conflict conversations. I'll be here to talk about the hurt and work through it. I'll be here to be accountable for my part and to be able to explain to you the parts I need you to be accountable for. That has felt really nourishing to recognize that maybe someone's not ready for intimacy yet. Maybe it feels too scary and that gets to be okay. And it's not my job to fix it. It's simply my job to invite and to leave the door open for whenever that person is ready. I know this feels scary and vulnerable and naked. But when we do this, we get the connections and the friendships and the safety and the trust that we need to feel like our full selves. And I believe as we invite others into this circle, we create something beautiful in the world that can't be created in any other way. I'm excited to hear about your experiences as you practice this. I'm excited to hear what happens already as I've been running the beta group with my app. And by the way, you guys, the app is coming and I'm so excited for it. It's really coming along. I've gotten so much good feedback and I'm already working on the next version to be released. And I can't wait to unveil that to all of you. But I've watched people in the group work on these things and I've watched them get results where they've been able to have really difficult conversations in a way that turned out to be surprisingly connecting for them and their loved ones. I want that for them. I want that for me. And I want that for you. I look forward to hearing your experiences, any experiences you want to share. I would love to hear your victories. I would love to hear your aha moments. You can share them on Facebook. The group is called Emancipate Yourself. That link is in the show notes. You can message me on Instagram at Emancipated Molly. You can message me on Twitter at Emancipated Terry, or you can email me. My email address is terry at emancipatedcoaching.com, and that address is also in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you. This is exciting stuff. We all long to connect and to feel seen and heard by others, and I believe that this is a great start to getting that. Sending you all of the best wishes as you go out and make your relationships things of beauty. I'll see you next week.